Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Hello again, friends. Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast. I'm here with my partner in crime, Jeffrey Denzel <laughs> Harley. Hey We're going to tackle something controversial here. We may hear lots of computers and iPhones turn off at some point during this podcast, Jeffrey, so just get ready All right, well, <laughs> to lose a lot of subscribers. <laughs> Frank says, I sound like Denzel and look like him. And so I don't know how many of you all saw Training Day, but he would say, do you want to go home or do you want to go to jail? So I would say, do you want to go further into the kingdom or do you want to go to jail? Amen. <laughs> so we're going to talk about seminary. I get asked often by young men especially sometimes young women i'm thinking about going to seminary what is your opinion on that should i or should i not and you know i used to i used to answer that in sort of a general way Mm -hmm. i used to say you know what if you feel the lord's leading you to go to seminary you go and do that if you don't there are other options for you Mm -hmm. but i would never really tilt one way or the other i i would just put that in the hands of, of the person and What I'm about to share shifted my whole perspective. Mm. And so now if someone comes to me and asks me, I'm just totally, completely straight with them, and I tell them what I've observed. Now, I just met with 12 pastors at Ministry Mind. Mm -hmm. You know, this is my mastermind for leaders, people who are in ministry. Most of those people, as I recall, who attended, went to seminary. Some of them have master's degrees, some of them have doctorate degrees. And we spent three days together. Mm -hmm. Now, Jeffrey, you know this. I've never been to seminary. That was a deliberate choice. I stand in the lineage of A.W. Tozer and G. Campbell Morgan and Charles Spurgeon and many others who did not go to seminary, who were not theologically trained through that method. Now, I have lots of training spiritual training and theological training but not through seminary yeah anyway those men said some of them they're writing me now testimonials not only did they never cry so much in a Mm. in a gathering of leaders Mm. but they had never received the breakthroughs the spiritual breakthroughs that they got in these three days and that includes their seminary education yeah i say that boys and girls to let you know that you do not have to have seminary to encounter Jesus Christ in a deep way Amen. and to learn ministry. Now, we'll talk about that more. But Jeffrey here, the gentleman who I'm sitting with, has a Master's of Divinity, an MDiv. Yes. He has also completed his doctorate work. Yes. And he is a doctoral candidate. He will have the ever sought after demon. Demon. And he has done the work. He is formally trained and schooled. I know many people like yourself mm-hmm. and many of whom are doctorates, some of whom have more degrees than a thermometer. Oh, right. And sometimes people will say to me, who don't really know me, mm-hmm. Dr. Viola, and my response is, I'm not even a registered nurse. <laughs> but anyway, 
having said all that, here's my observation. Jesus Christ never started a Bible school or a seminary. No, he didn't. And Paul of Tarsus did not, and neither did any of the apostles. And it's not because they didn't have money to do it. He had a different way of training people for the work of God. Amen. Completely different. And so did Paul of Tarsus. Paul of Tarsus duplicated the way of Jesus. What Jesus did in Nazareth, Paul of Tarsus duplicated in Ephesus. And there's a book entitled Finding Organic Church, which is not just about organic church. It's about the way that apostolic workers, people in ministry, people called to the work of God were trained, prepared for the Lord's work. Anyway, here's my observation. And I have never seen this any other way, what I'm going to describe to you. And I think okay. you're Exhibit A, or B, or C. <laughs> Every person that I have ever met who has been through seminary, who came into the deeper journey later, mm -hmm. all right, so let me be clear, they, they finish their seminary training, and they get exposed to the deeper journey. Well, Frank, what's the deeper journey? Well... That's the deeper things of God, the indwelling life of Christ, the eternal purpose, the gospel of the kingdom, etc., etc. The things that I write about. Yeah. The things that T. Austin Sparks wrote about, for example. These spiritual intangibles, these realities, the deep waters mm. of Christ waters. and his purpose. The deeper journey. Tozer was on the deeper journey, for example. Well, every person that has been to seminary who later came into the deeper journey... They all have the exact same testimony. And I know you do too because we've talked about it. Yeah. You can share it with the listeners a little bit later. And that testimony is this. I feel as though I wasted my time and money on seminary because none of those professors taught me the things that I have come to see of Christ and God's eternal purpose and the deeper things of the Lord. I feel I wasted my time and money. Mm -hmm. And that has been the consistent testimony. I remember when I was speaking in Switzerland, I was giving messages on the eternal purpose. And we were going to work on what I was sharing. We actually put them into practice. And there was a young man who pulled me over in a corner and he said, I am angry. I am livid. And I didn't know what it was. I thought maybe he was upset <laughs> with something I said. said. Yeah. yeah, so I was getting ready to duck. And he says, I have been to seminary. Mm. I spent all the, he gave me the figure, I don't even remember what it was, but it was outrageous. I spent X number of years, I can't remember, it was four or more, and he says, not one person taught me any of this. And he was so infuriated. I have heard that many times, more times than I can count. Mm. So that's number one. Now here's number two, here's the other side of this, and this is very interesting. Virtually every person who I have met who began to take the deeper journey. I say began. Not, they mm -hmm. weren't fully immersed in it, but they started on that road. Who began on the deeper journey and later decided, I want to go to seminary. Jeffrey, every single one of those ended up killing their spiritual life. Wow, that's sad. Ended up leaving the deeper things of God and settling for lesser things mm. that were all aimed at the cerebrum, that were all aimed at the frontal lobe, cerebral, academic, mm. heady, mindy, and interpreting that falsely to be the equivalent of revelation, spiritual insight, and spirituality. Wow. And their impact spiritually 
where they were heading in one direction, mm. some of these people, I believe, had an apostolic fall in their life. Wow. Ended up selling out for a bowl of porridge. And, and brother, we had lost them to usefulness in the kingdom of God. Wow. From my perspective. Now, there is a book entitled Pagan Christianity, co-authored with George Barna. And there's a chapter in there on Christian education, where it came from. And I encourage anybody who's interested in the subject to pick that book up and read that chapter. It's all about where a seminary came from. And what it does, Jeffrey, as you know, is it contrasts the seminary way of training people for ministry with God's way as we see exhibited in the life of Jesus Christ and in the life of Paul of Tarsus, the way of the first century, which is rooted in divine principles. Amen. Selling out for a bowl of stew. All right, so that's my introduction, brother, and I have written on this in other places. We replaced revelation with education. We've replaced revelation with education, yeah. and the two are not the same. That's and right. By revelation, we're talking about spiritual insight. We're talking about the enlightening of the Holy Spirit. It really grieves me because, as I say, I can count so many of them, and there's a pride that comes with. Yes, this no, kind of training, this seminary training. And what people don't realize is that the most spiritual people I've ever met, the ones who knew the Lord the best, who had the highest insight into Christ and the scriptures, mm. virtually all of them had never been to seminary. Wow. And it's very rare to find a person who had been in seminary who has deep spiritual insight. Now, I'm not suggesting at all that a seminary graduate or even a seminary professor is incapable of giving truth. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not talking about teaching. I'm talking about Christ in the depth. Yeah. And the only person, and this, this man was an unusual human being. Uh, he had an IQ that was probably kicking around 200. Wow. He was a seminary student and professor but he also was on the deeper journey and he understood the deep things of God and I'm talking about Dietrich Bonhoeffer yeah. now of course his work is almost unreadable but he had both elements yeah. and that combination is rarer than chicken molars <laughs> he's the only one I know of who was like that I say all that to uh, lead into your own testimony and just talk about this, brother, because I know that it's one thing for me to say it, and I'm speaking yeah. from observation. Yeah. And I work with people yeah. all the time, people in ministry who'd been to seminary, yeah. and their testimony maps to exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. But you are first person right here, a living witness. All right. So, you know, Frankie V, like we said in the early podcast, I came into the deeper journey about. 10 years ago, 8 to 10 years ago. So we're talking 2008, 2010, which interestingly is about the same time that I started seminary. I started seminary in October of 2007. Mm -hmm. And uh, just a quick story on the orientation. And, and so first, my motivation. My motivation for really wanting to go was that I had been a believer for uh, about... 15 years at that time, 14, 15 years, and I had been a lay minister, but I also felt like if I 
learn the Bible more. And my exact thought was, master the Bible, then I'll be able to articulate it in whatever context. And I can do apologetics with Jehovah Witnesses. I can do it with Muslims because those were the, the people that were dominating the context I was in. And so at the orientation, this uh, one professor gets up, and I was so glad I didn't get up and say what I just said, because he, they said, I want you to say your name and your title in your church and why you're here. And my why was going to be to master the Bible. And he got up and said, some of you came here to master the Bible, but if after four years you've mastered the Bible and the Bible hasn't mastered you, then we failed in our job. So I was like, okay, well, thank you, Lord. I didn't get up and say that. I felt like a fool. But in reality, I don't see how after four years, the curriculum, that the Bible would master me. Because one of the things is in seminary, I really want you to hear me with this. You are busy reading five, six books a week. You're writing two, three, four papers and exams. Your time is completely consumed with work. If you're learning Greek and Hebrew at the same time, you're consumed with that. And so, you know, your Facebook feed will change because, as we said in the early podcast, Frankie said, out of the heart, the Facebook feed speaks. And so you'll just start talking about all these high philosophical, theological, you know, truths that, that you're learning. But the piece where you suffer is intimately knowing Jesus Christ. And there's a difference about then studying about someone as opposed to spending time with that person personally, because Jesus Christ is a person. So, for example, Let's say I wanted to know President Trump, and I was to read a biography about President Trump, and then I wanted to learn how to negotiate like President Trump. So I would read a book, I think it's called Art of the Deal, of how he negotiates, and, you know, and then other aspects, and I read a book about him. But at the other side of the spectrum, let's say I have this opportunity to go spend two years with President Trump and actually watch him and listen to him negotiate. Mm -hmm. Watch him prepare for the yeah, negotiation. Watch him debrief the, the mm -hmm. negotiation. Watch him in between negotiations, bargaining sessions, if you will, the fixing things in between and, and renegotiate. What about if I spent time with him and did that? You would learn more about negotiating. You would learn mm -hmm. more about the person if you're actually spending time with that person. And so, you know, you got to read in Pagan Christianity the chapter that Frank and George Barnett talk about in there because it's, it's so true. Because there's a little bit more about me I'm going to add to this mix. Is when I went to traditional college between 18 and 22, I did a Bachelor's of Arts in Economics and a Bachelor of Arts in Philosophy. And so in the book, you know, they bring out uh, how, you know, are we, you know, living Jerusalem or Athens? Mm. And so Christian seminary education is so based on, you know, Greek philosophy. It's right. a, a, the structure of all that. Amen. And and so here I am with having a degree from that years ago. So 
So I flourished that. In fact, a lot of my professors had PhDs in philosophy, which mm -hmm. me coming from that as a background, I would ask them, like, why did you get a PhD in philosophy to teach about the Bible? I didn't see where the two went together because I knew philosophy and I knew where it came out of. And, and so that's, that's what you get. And, and so when all your time is being taken up doing those things, you don't have time with the Lord. And so even on my exit interview, they wanted to know how can we improve things. And, and I said, you know, I'm so glad that, you know, I, I came to the Lord in 1993. And it wasn't until 2007 that I went to seminary. And I said, I'm so glad that I had been rooted and grounded in the Lord enough because mm -hmm. I said, you, I, I would have went astray mm -hmm. if I didn't already. Because I said, you took up so much of my time, you know, uh, between working and, and a family and then school and then serving in the church. There's only 24 hours in a day. And I said, and you had me reading and doing all this that so many times I wanted to quit, to just be honest. Because I felt like, you know, the waste of time that this was, that was taken away. And I had a professor tell me. I won't say his name. He said, well, it's designed that way. That's how we weed out those that are really called and those who aren't called. And I was like, wow, really? I said, he said, so you must be really called because you made it through. Well, no, I sacrificed time with Christ. That's what, I sacrificed time with my family. I sacrificed you know, my job to get this done because I really thought that this was a part of my call. So at the same time, I started getting into the deeper journey. And so by 2010, 2011 was when I finished my Master of Divinity. And I remember I had to write my Master Thesis. And in that, I focused in a lot on some things on the eternal purpose. Because I could not believe that I had been there for four years and I never heard anyone talk about the eternal purpose. Mm -hmm. And I was reading about the eternal purpose so much. It's an eternal purpose. It's mm -hmm. accomplished through Christ. It's supposed to happen through the church. So my question to this professor I had a really close relationship with and I put in my paper was we, we focus on what they call missional theology. Yeah. So missional, God is a missional God. And that's a big word out here today that has so many meanings yeah. and we could do a whole other podcast just on that. But anyhow, I was like, if the mission of God is what you say it is, mm -hmm. that sounds like God had this mission before Adam sinned in Genesis 3. Yeah. And we never talked about that. We didn't talk about what that mission was. And I, I pushed that in there. said, if we're going to be missional, then we should be on what God's mission is. And I thought that I was going to fail the paper because the whole paper was based on that. But he gave me an A+. Plus. And I said to him, I, I said, well, you know, doctor, I said, so what's up? He said, you know, you're absolutely right. He said, that's true. God, and I said, you know, you know about the eternal purpose. He says, yes. I said, great. Why don't we teach that? <laughs> he says, well, that's, that's difficult and kind of left it at that. Mm -hmm. So here's one thing. Okay. Now, I, I finished in 2011, in June of 2011. <clears throat> and then my school said, we really think you should do a doctorate. It'd be great. At that time, I had transitioned to the rescue mission. So, you know. It was just a natural fit. And plus they said, we'll, uh, we'll take 25% off the tuition if you go right into the fall, right in. So I was like, okay, I'm probably going to do this anyhow. 
and uh, so I might as well do it. And I come from a very academic background. I went to private school for high school. Uh, I went, you know, I'm on the college and all that. So academics was a big thing for, for me and my family. So I started that, and since I was at a homeless shelter, uh, the title of my dissertation is A Training Manual for the Successful Transition of Homeless Men Back into Society. And I'm doing my research, and I'm right there with homeless, and I'm incorporating things that I learned in that, but here was where the struggle began. The struggle that I had, and I'll get to the financial piece in a second, the struggle I had was I started it using a missional theological paradigm, but over time it was like, wait a second, the eternal purpose piece is much more important. At that time, I got exposed to Frank's teaching on living by the indwelling life of Christ, which came in, in contact with the, you know, with the eternal purpose, looking at you know, Frank's stuff on this deeper journey. And I started sharing that work with the guys at the mission, and it resonated with them just like it resonated with me. And we had nothing in seminary about living by the yeah. dwelling life of Christ. Oh, that's right. We had nothing about that, even Christ, you know, I knew that he was in me, but I didn't know he wanted to live his life through me. I, mm -hmm. I would have never gotten that in seminary. And, and, so, the, and the so big thing, too, is even for people who believe Christ lives in me, and he wants to live his life through me, Galatians 2.20. Mm -hmm. the, the bingo question, the high-octane question is how. How? How does how? that happen? Come on. And that, that is not answered in it, seminary. I have answered. never met one Every it's person who's gone through that course has said, yeah, I've been through answered. it. Nobody talks Nobody. about that. Nobody. And that, brother, is where the rubber meets the road. It's the that's practical it. how. That's it. And how in the world can you be missional and fulfill the mission of God? Come on, brother. How in that's the right. world that's can right. you make disciples when a disciple of Jesus Christ is a person who lives by his indwelling life? And yes. you have no yes. idea yes. how to do that, how, how to, to pass it. that on. See, this is the you big can. pink elephant you in can. the room. It is. And when people see it, this is why yeah. so many, when they come into the deeper journey, yeah. later, they're, they're angry yes. because they feel like, okay, the most important things about the Lord and his purpose, we were never exposed to. The most important things. You just said it because, you know, I forget how much living by an indwelling life costs. That course, but less than seminary. <laughs> much, much less, much less. So Frank, Frank was trying to give some numbers before with seminary. I'll say what my school did. My school was about in two thousand seven. It was about forty seven thousand dollars. Okay, which you could go get loans for, and I would say by the time I left, it had to be in the fifty thousand dollar percentile. So I still have these loans mm. to pay off, right? And the doctorate, the doctorate classes for a doctoral degree, you can't get loans for doctorate degrees. You have to pay money. So I transitioned from a secular job where I was making six figures a year to a rescue mission where I made 82% less money than I was making and had to pay out of my pocket for the doctorate. And so what happens? You fall behind. And now I'm doing this piece here. I'm living Monday through Friday, not you know eight hours a day. Not I didn't I didn't get a bed in the rescue mission, but I'm with people every day. And I'm doing that work, 
And now I'm changing my paradigm for the successful transition of homeless men back into society to, you know, if they get revealed, if the glory of Christ is revealed to them and he captures them and they learn how to live by his indwelling life, then we can make an army here to take mm-hmm. Philadelphia block by block and Pennsylvania and the rest of the rest of the country. And I'm putting this as my work because now when you're doing your doctorate, you have a committee that you bring your work to as you're doing it chapter by chapter, and they challenge you on it. And Frank Valola, Living by the Dwelling Life of Christ, this isn't a noted scholar that we can document, that we can, and you have this, you know, you, 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 get, my, you get where I'm going with that, right? And you're not quoting from books that we know on the subject and different things. Now, here was something about the homeless ministry. There are only two other dissertations of homelessness that you can go to a, uh, you can go to your library, your seminary, and just like where they keep all the dis- all the dissertations from around the country, different seminaries. And it was one that was done by a brother from Africa, and it was one that was done by a brother from the Philippines. But there was never any work, you know, in America. There's a lot of prison reentry, but no mm-hmm. homeless. So you, I'm doing this work, and I'm like. But this is the key, living by the dwelling life of Christ. In fact, it's the key to transitioning from unbeliever to believer. So anyhow, a lot of pushback with that. Now, here's just some of my personal beliefs about but, what that did. But you did finish it, and it was yes. Dolphin. Yes. It, yes. Because, and, that, and that's another thing with the sovereignty of the Lord, is that my, my, uh, my committee there, and it was three person, three people per uh, piece, was since there wasn't any other work on homelessness done, and and since they, they, they started to say, well, you know, Jeff, you made this transition and you're there every day and you're doing this, we consider you to be the expert, so we're going to just go along with you with that. But my piece was, I stole money. But here, here's the other piece, and, and this is what I want to say to you that person that's trying to decide to do that or not to do that is uh, I wholeheartedly am fully persuaded with no reservations whatsoever that you will save yourself a lot of money. You'll get in debt with student loans. And I can't say that this is the motive of schools because I don't know the motive of anyone's heart. But if you get the loan and you get the money and the school's paid, they have their money. But now you have to repay the loan. And sometimes, this is just Brother Jeff talking here, who looks like Denzel, excuse me, and, you know, been on the streets for a little bit. Sometimes people just make money off of your bad decisions. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. There's a quote, and, and Frank, I think it's, it's in pagan Christianity. It's like, how do you expect somebody to teach something that goes against, you remember that quote? Against like how they make a living to that piece there, you know? And so it becomes survival. So the person who teaches eschatology in times, everything's about eschatology. Every newspaper article, every book, everything in the Bible is eschatology. That's their focus. That's, all, that's what they do. And they have to write articles. They have to do so many journal articles because they're working to get tenure. And once they get to tenure, then it's that piece. Are the person's New Testament? Are their Old Testament? Are they the prophets? And that's it. If something else becomes the it, then Jesus is not the it, and he's put to the margin. And when you come to that person and you sit in their class and that's the it, well, 
and that it is tied to their economic survival as they see it, how can Jesus be the center? And so I would sit there, and Frank said in a previous podcast, it's talked about in Living by the Indwelling Life course, it's talked about in a lot of his other books, and T.A. Sparks, about we have spiritual instincts. You talk about it if you're born again. We talked about in a previous uh, podcast, if you're born from above, birth is the impartation of life. So just like when I was born as a human being, I had sight, I can hear, I can mm -hmm. taste, I can touch. Well, the Bible says, except you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Yes. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Yes, he that hath an ear, hear what right. the Spirit is saying right, to the brother. church. Amen. And, and so Frank brings out that bad teaching. And we talked about in the earlier podcast that the disciple produced is a result of the gospel they hear. Bad teaching, Frank says, deadens spiritual instincts. And I can tell you for a fact, I would sit there and my spiritual instincts had become alive and I was learning through the Living by the Indwelling Life course, some spiritual instincts and they were growing and I would sit in class and hear things and certain things and I'd say like, ah oh man, this is not good, this is not good. And I'd get in the car and I'd go, okay Lord, why am I here? And maybe it's the infiltrator piece again, but I was like, you know, this, this isn't good. I, I got to resist some of this stuff mm. because I can't allow my spiritual instincts to die or to be dead. And so when Frank shared with me that he's known some people who were young and who were going forth in a deeper journey and two or three years and then they went to seminary and he said, then it just kind of died out. From my experience, I felt like, mm, yeah. Their instincts were killed there. Absolutely. That's what happened. You know? I put that out there to you, you know, because by the grace of God, uh, I'm sitting here today and I'm going further in a deeper journey. But, uh, you know, I used to always say that, you know, when I get done with school, all these books that I just ran through, I'm going to go back and read them again. Well, to be honest, that hasn't happened. <laughs> They're not really all that valuable to me. <laughs> and I'm reading other material that takes up my time. And so that is the problem. And so then seminary, for me, in that same vein, what we were just talking about in the former podcast, it can become the it. It becomes the center, and then Christ is pushed to the margin. And then it can become a distraction. And what I find so ironic about that is that you're going there because you want to prepare yourself for ministry, as you're told. But as Frank brought out, it wasn't done like that in the first, second century church. And lastly, lastly, I want to say this to you, because I know you're sitting there, because I was in your shoes and I did the same thing. You're like, well, my denomination requires that I go to mm. seminary to be ordained, because as soon as you come out and graduate, a lot of denominations then will mm. ordain you. And if you're in a denomination, then that will place you as a pastor in the church, but you have to have your master of divinity. You have to have these things, and how will I be equipped to be able to do those things. And I will just say this to you. I will say this to you right now, is that because I have a seminary degree and because I finished my doctoral work, it's not why you're sitting here listening to my voice right now. That did not open up <laughs> the door for that. Right. <laughs> that did not open up the door for that. Because Christ is the center and because of the reclaiming of the gospel of the kingdom of God and embracing that message and allowing it to come in and do things in my life, the Lord in his sovereignty and his providence and his, his loving kindness has given me the opportunity to be sitting here right now. Not my degree. Mm. So think about that. 
Praise the Lord, brother. You know, one of the things you said there in relation to killing one's spiritual instincts is I have seen that over and over again with people who are seminary trained. I know. And I can think of three young people right now mm. who are in their, gosh, are they in their 30s? I think they're all in their 30s. And they began on the deeper journey, got the seminary bug, and... You know, I did not dissuade any of them. Mm -hmm. Now, on hindsight, I feel like I should have. Because they did ask me. Yeah. They asked yeah, me my opinion. Yeah. And I just threw the ball back in their court. Now I feel like that was a failure. Yeah. And I should have said everything I'm saying here because each of them have been derailed. And they are, are they still Christians, Frank? Yes. But they are living in their frontal lobe. Yeah. And they're craniums have become swelled and their spirits have shriveled mm. and I have listened to them and I have watched them and brother all they're spewing right now is death now they don't know that because yeah. they think that pithy philosophical clever statements are the equivalent of spirituality yeah yes but yes. they are not they are as hollow as an empty barrel and what happens is the discernment goes out the window. Yeah, it does. And let me point something out, too, that echoes this. I did a ministry mind. It was a mastermind for pastors and teachers who are interested in going further in the Lord. And one of the things I ask each of them to do when they present mm -hmm. is to share two pieces of advice that they would give to a young man or young woman who is called to the Lord's work and is entering into ministry. And you know what some of them have said? I'm quoting them verbatim. Do not go to seminary. It will kill your spiritual life. I agree. And those people have been to seminary. Yeah, I agree. Okay? I agree. It will kill your spiritual life. Another one said, do not get involved in professional ministry. Mm. And he had been in it, and he had got out of it, and, and so there's a whole, whole other talk there. But... Anyway, the point being is that there is an alternative mm -hmm. to seminary. And there is a way that Jesus trained men for the work, equipped women for the work. There's a way that Paul did so. And that is a way that is viable. It's hands-on. It's apprentice. It's watch me and now you do it. And really the beginning point is if you know someone who is really ministering life, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Who who has impacted your heart, not at an intellectual level only. I'm talking mm -hmm. about the heart altering your life. Yeah. Amen. Giving you revelation into Christ. Then, brother and sister, pursue that person and say, yeah. "Hey, would you teach me? Would you mentor me?" I heard recently as a young man in his early 30s, and he was sharing. He's involved in ministry. He was sharing, and he was saying out of all the older men that I have known older than him none of them have asked me be their apprentice none of them have been a father to me none of them have asked me to come under their wing mm -hmm. one of the things I wanted to say to him and I didn't because I don't give unsolicited advice right. you, Amen. Amen. Yeah. you want my advice you ask yeah. I'm not going to give it to you unsolicited but I wanted to say to him I was hoping he would ask me something about I said, brother, you cannot expect someone to come to you and say, I want to mentor you. I don't know the man who's going to do that. In yeah. fact, 
if a man did that, I would run. Yeah, in fact, I wouldn't run. Scary. I'd jump out yeah. of the window, yeah. hit the ground and run. It's upon you to go to such a person and person. say, yeah. your work has impacted my heart. It's transformed me. I want to go deeper. I want to learn from you. Now, in that scenario, you may get the answer to your question. Yeah. You may get the response to your wish. But you ought to seek them out. Um, unless they're the Messiah, mm-hmm. Jesus of Nazareth, <laughs> yeah. you know, coming by and saying, come follow me, but I would run the other way. And this is something that it doesn't, I, I wrote an article called Passing the Torch on mm. the blog. People, I wrote can, it, yeah. people can go to the blog, frankvella.org, yeah. just there's a search window, put in Passing the Torch. And there I plead with older men in the Lord's work to pass the torch on to the younger. And that doesn't mean teaching a seminary class. Yeah. That doesn't mean putting out books and videos. That's not passing the torch. Yes. Passing the torch is like this. Yes. It's very intimate and yes. very close yes. and very deliberate. Yes. Where you're handing your stewardship, your mantle to someone else who you know personally. And it's not just your students or the people who listen to your messages or your congregation. That is not passing the torch. Yeah. So I had to break through that because there's tremendous confusion on that. And the other thing I said is if you're a young man or young woman, you feel called to the Lord's work, then look for someone to mentor you and ask them to do it. Yeah. Don't just expect it to happen one day. It's not going to The phone is going to ring or you're going to get an email saying, hey, I would like to mentor you. And if you do, as I say, be scared stiff because that's an indication that you ought not to learn anything from such a person. So anyway, I just wanted to share that, and I really hope that this speaks to some people and stirs and even jolts some of you who are listening. You know, the kingdom of God is so different in every level. We talked about its counter-cultural aspects. Well, education is different in the kingdom of God than it is in the world system. And what seminary is, it is part of the The world world system system. that's using the Mm. same mechanisms, the same philosophy, 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, the same mode of operation, the same outlook, and just switching the subject matter to a Christian one rather than a world one but everything else brother is the same it's the same it's the same it's the same you know piggybacking on that mentor piece coming out of the AA piece and drug rehab was uh I was used to asking somebody to help me to, mm-hmm. to be there to mentor me and so today I, I got a as a pastor in the inner city of Philadelphia you know I've got an opportunity with some young guys coming from out of Bible college would intern with me at the rescue mission and they stay in contact and there's a brother right now and uh when he hears this i hope he knows i'm talking about him he uh (laughs) well two weeks ago he sent me a text and he says uh pastor jeff uh can you give me a good book on doing evangelism and i just said to him i said listen brother i said uh you just get intimate with christ let him break you let him mold you Spend time with him, and as your spiritual instincts will guide you and lead you, he'll have you. Maybe you'll share, maybe you won't. He'll begin to train you. And you need to get with somebody who's already doing that and spend time with that person. One of the blessings uh, for me was about, I would say it's been about four years now, when uh, Frankie, you know, he, he started up the Deeper Christian Life Network. And... The big piece of, of how that's a blessing 
is one is the teaching on, on some of these podcasts. You know, you guys have heard me talking about, oh, in this master class, this, and in that master class, this. You know, we had a exquisite passion master class, uh, Galatians in 3D. Right now, it's, you know, living in his presence, you know, the conscious presence of the Lord. And so one thing that's, that's really awesome, I didn't get in seminary, you know, is that we have this community of believers that's throughout the world who are connected to this deeper Christian life network. And we get teaching, and, you know, we comment on there, and the comments mentor us. But also is Frank has these, what he calls, practical handles. And the best way, Frank, I can, I can put it that, like you put it, is like if you have a door, and let's say you have all these treasures behind that door, but there's no you know, door handle, then how do I get through the door to get to the other side? In Frank's ministry, there's a lot of practical handles that are shared with us. And so using these practical handles, handles on how to be intimate with, how to spend time with the Lord. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I do this every morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And we know Romans 8, he says that those who he foreknew, he called, what? To be transformed into the image of Christ. So how do I practically become transformed into the image of Christ, right? The Bible says that, and so if I'm going to live by his indwelling life, and God's purpose is to transform me into the image of Christ, then how do I practically become transformed into the image of Christ? And what I'm sharing with you, I didn't learn this in seminary. I'm going to read the uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through 29. It says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose, we would say eternal purpose, for those he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So how do I practically become transformed into the image of Jesus Christ? In 2 Corinthians 3.18, Frank points out that if you, the one who turns to the Lord. It says that there in the verse. It says that when you turn to the Lord, right, and behold him, behold, look into his image, look into his face, look into Christ. What happens? We're transformed. You know, we learn, and then what's so great is that then other believers who are turning to the Lord like that, they come in and comment and share their experience. And then someone else shares their experience. And then maybe you reply to someone else's experience. Or Frank might jump in there and reply. And it's a community of believers, and we're building each other up in Christ. And you don't get that in seminary. The closest thing I had to that in seminary was I had a class called Spiritual Formation by the same professor who said, you know, if you came here to master the Bible and you've done that in four years and the Bible hasn't mastered you, then we failed. Well, anyhow, I had this class for spiritual formation. I did it long enough to get what I needed to get out of it, to write the paper that I knew that would answer the questions that this professor wanted so that I would get the grade 
that would be good enough to pass the class to move on to get my degree so that now I can go to the church and do the work of the Lord. <laughs> and it, once you say it like that, it just sounds like so ridiculous, but it is. And another thing is when you are being transformed into the image of Christ and as Christ is living his life through you and as you're growing in your spiritual instincts and living by those instincts, I can tell you as a pastor in an inner city church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and as being a chaplain at a rescue mission, I meet people daily who have deep, serious conflicts, problems in their lives, children that may have been murdered, just different things mm. like that. And I didn't have a class in seminary mm. that taught me how to deal yeah, with man, grief, brother. with tragedy in people's lives, mm. with conflict, you know, and if it were not for my spiritual instincts, Christ living through me, helping me through that, and me seeing my own helplessness and weakness before him. And then having a place, like I was sharing, the network, that we have a hot seat, different questions that we can send in, and it'll get posted, and getting feedback from other people. I personally haven't sent in a question, but other people have sent in questions that I had, and I was able to read it, and then listen to responses and at times chime in. We need that ecclesia, that community of believers who have a heart to want to go into the deeper things of God, to build up and uh, help out one another so that we can become that alternative civilization that God has preordained that we be. And the yearly conference each year, and it's such a blessing. And, and this year we had this new thing. We had like this meet and greet beforehand just meeting people. I'll put it to you this way. We have these things, and I'm, I'm pretty sure other tribes have them, but the African-American community is real big. It's called family reunions. And you go to them every other year, and you make these promises to contact each other and call each other, and you never do. And then two years later, you come and do the same thing. And my wife still loves them. But my wife this year at the conference, the Deeper Christian Life Conference, after the meet and greet, we were upstairs in, a motel, in our hotel room, and she said, Jeffrey, and she almost looked like she was about to cry. She said, this is a real family reunion. Mm. She says, people that we've interacted with throughout the year over the network, and they're like, oh, you're Annette, Jeffrey. you're Annette and Jeffrey. And I'm like, oh, you're Joe and such and such. And we're talking. Oh, I finally got to see you. Or people that we met before. Hey, it's great to see you again. How are Aaron, Aria, how, you know, everybody, we just knew each other. And it's amazing because I'm not good with names. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the names came back to me. And it really does have this family atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to be honest with you, that is our eternal family, mm -hmm. part of the household of God. Mm -hmm. Amen. So mm -hmm. that conference. And so for those of you who are on the network and who are listening to these podcasts, and maybe you haven't made it to a conference yet, I encourage you now. It's always the last week of July. Is to start saving the money to get your reservation now. Because that's, it's just something that's just so glorious. And even though you can hear the messages on the network later, the second year we didn't make the conference because I was at the ministry mind. But I'm telling you, and I listen to the messages, but I'm telling you, when you're physically there and you listen to them again, there's a difference. And even if not just for the messages, for the koinia, the fellowship, mm. the pressing flesh against flesh Amen. with other believers in the network. And you met a couple who live, what? 
20 miles away. Oh, know. yeah. I mean, and yes, and we got to meet on a couple this year. On the network. On the network, who right. only lived like a half hour away, and we were just so ecstatic. And now, you know, we're talking with one another, and we're going to have Kingdom Cells. And uh, we're in the process of praying through that, of, of getting into that. But it's such a blessing to be around like-minded people mm-hmm. who want the deeper things of God, who are on the deeper journey. You know, it's interesting. I'm glad, Frankie, you brought that up because I don't have anybody from seminary that I am with him going the deeper things of the Lord with mm-hmm. and have that fellowship. I never thought about that until mm-hmm. you just said that. And we were in what was called a cohort program so that we would have these long-lasting yeah, relationships. Right. Yeah, but that mm-hmm. hasn't happened. Yeah. Well, until next time, boys and girls, we will leave it here. See ya. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.